What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with John Impemba and Matt Sells, and it is another episode of the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Down the stretch we come, guys. Fantasy football regular seasons are drawing to a close, and it's almost playoff time. And with that, it's domination time. It's time to win those rings. But if people are out of it, maybe didn't make the postseason. The season's only over if you let it end, guys. What's going on? How the hell are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, kind of another elongated NFL week here. We're recording this Tuesday uh, evening. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the Ravens game and Cowboys game is still going on, correct? It is still going yes. on. It's uh, 24-10 uh, Baltimore. We actually just finally saw the Lamar Jackson to Marquise Hollywood Brown touchdown pass uh, that I feel like we've been waiting weeks and weeks for. Yeah, like six weeks. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, week 13 is almost over. This is another elongated NFL week, not quite as long as last week, where we had what literally took an entire calendar week to finish last week, right? Because we had the Thanksgiving games, and then it didn't end until Wednesday. Um, So that was fun. (laughs) But I'm happy because winter meetings for baseball started. So we've got trades and free agent signings and stuff for baseball. So I'm I'm in my happy place. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, listen, football is uh, you know, winding down fantasy wise and picking up for you know the playoffs and everything that we're coming into, and we still have uh, DFS and whatnot that's gonna you know carry us through there. But also, uh, you know, the NBA season starts on the 22nd. We're two weeks away from that. We're getting word that. Uh, the NHL season could be starting on January 13th. So that's going to start, you know, ramping up. And then like Matt, like you said, it's crazy to think about, but you know, spring training is what three months away for baseball. You know, if they do mid February is usually generally. Yeah. So if that, if that holds true, you know, we're, we're closing in on pitchers and catchers. So like, you know, it's not normal yet, but we're getting back to normal. Right. Again, we're like, all the sports are here. Leagues are picking up. Training camps are starting. So, like, uh, it, it is. It's, it's a fun time for us, obviously, being in the industry um, and, and having a lot more to talk about because we all remember what it was like six months ago when we had nothing to talk about. We literally the- wrote articles on MTV's The Challenge. Yeah. Survivor. Yeah. Wait, we're not going to uh, do that anymore? Come I on. We tried to write a DFS cooking playbook maybe i don't know yeah so i mean like it was crazy (laughs) then uh so i just feel fortunate that we you know we're we're picking up again sports are continuing and you know we can you know keep on keeping on that's right guys and with that i mean again there are different kinds of by the way before we even get to fantasy football playoffs at all i just want to let you guys know with the issue that i was talking to both of you about on different occasions over the last few weeks on this show regarding ESPN and their fantasy and some of the decisions they make as a company, the whole divisions when it comes to fantasy basketball. Well, one of my friends actually figured it out. My buddy Seawalk, he figured it out in a league that we're in that if you just move the teams to one, all the teams to one division, apparently that <laughs> solves the problem. Wait, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I wish you would have oh. told me that a few weeks yeah. ago when you first brought this up. You didn't say jack about that. I thought you knew. I thought you were just complaining that they default you into divisions, not that no. you didn't. Well, yeah, there's man. Op- 
take away the divisions. You have to literally take yeah. all the teams from the East and put them in the West or vice <laughs> yeah, versa. I, I knew, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yes, I was aware. Oh, so you didn't tell me for the last few weeks we've been trying to figure this out. Ronis didn't even know that. Well, I wasn't on the show last week. Uh, Hallam filled in for me uh, admirably, I assume, as he always does. Uh, I know, right. you know, those shows sometimes go off the rails a little bit with him on there. But... One of the best rants ever. Oh, yeah, yeah right. that, that that part was good. Man, yeah. whoa. He said yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I saw the uh, the headlines there. But I don't remember you bringing this up with me on a lot after I was, but you and Ronis have been talking about it. Uh, yeah, I would have been able to give you the insight and be like, hey, by the way. You, you, you listen to the show? You mean you, you hit me up about stuff every day? You literally hang on sales. John, you literally drain my battery between Twitter groups that we're in talking about basketball and football plays. And literally we talk about all this stuff back and forth. I've complained about this nonstop and you didn't tell me anything. Yeah. I guess I just misunderstood the question, It's okay. uh, but I've, I've been well aware and, and it's not, you're not the first person to tell me, uh, that I drain their Twitter batteries with group chats. I am a <laughs> I am a notorious group chatter. I have numerous group chats across all platforms, uh, you know, and I take advantage of them and I talk in all of them all day. I like to stay connected, Fensty. You know, I like to know what's going on there. I like to share the news, share the conversations, have the ideas. It's how I kind of keep my wits about myself. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm constantly blowing up chats and people are being like. Man, my my iWatch, my Apple Watch is dead because of all the notifications you've been sending me all day. It's like, sorry. Sorry to be your friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, you and you and Grande do that during basketball season, too. You'll forget that I'm in the chat and I don't yeah. particularly care about basketball yeah. strategy. And you two just keep going back and forth. My phone's lighting up. I can't do anything on it. Um, just tell us to go away. We'll we'll figure it but, out. But no, Fensty, he he told us before the pod he doesn't listen to anything anybody. He doesn't really comprehend anything anybody says. So why Can does I it get shock one you? Co-host that listens to me when I talk. Then <laughs> Ronis doesn't do it. You don't do it. Jen says she does it, and I I believe that. So maybe we have Jen there. <laughs> Jen's definitely the pure doesn't. soul. Yeah, no, Jen's the pure soul. Yes. I, I agree. She's I I trust her. I mean, I get that. I just, again, I'm shocked. I mean, it was that easy, and none, and I didn't even figure that out. Ronis didn't figure that out, too. And now I'm petitioning that Ronis puts out some kind of vote. But apparently, we have a little bit of a discrepancy because you know, John, how Ronis can be when it comes to fantasy sports and making sure you pay the man his money. And right now, our league is being held up because people won't pay the entry fee. And it's very, very annoying. Because he put a nice deadline on it. I paid right away. And it's like half the league won't pay. Oh, and is this in his basketball league? In his basketball league, yes. That's not well, good. Here's my question. is: Does the fact that the NBA only put out half their schedule factor into this? Because no, the, no. NBA, the NBA hasn't even put out their full schedule. They only put out half their... So at this point, I think only half your league dues should be due. You know what, Matt? Let me tell you something, Mr. Matthew Sells. That we, the Fantasy Alarm basketball team, had this plopped on us. We had two weeks to put together an entire cheat sheet. This I'm season, aware. that's 
be starting on December twenty second. I'm the one that I'm the one that put everything in the cheat sheet and got it up on the site. I'm aware of the process. Yes, so you're you're invested <laughs> with us. This season better be starting on December twenty second. No, it's starting on the twenty second. We just don't know when the second half of the season is starting. So that schedule is yet to be put out. Yes, it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild, but we're going to have fun with it. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we want to go back to normal, see this, normal, see that. You know what? As long as sports stays in some capacity, even with what we've been dealing with in the NFL season, I'm good. I'm not expecting anything to be normal until 2022. Lower your expectations a little bit and it'll be a lot easier to get through. So that's my advice on it. Guys, let's talk about some of the other things when it comes to fantasy sports and fantasy football, it's playoff time. And let me ask you guys this, because something that I've heard talked about on different media outlets in our space are, do you play the matchup or do you start your studs? Where do you guys stand on how much the matchup influences your decisions in your season long leagues? I think at this point, I tend to lean more towards, uh, who's gotten me to this point and what the matchup is. Because obviously if my stud is hot and they've got a good matchup, he's an automatic lock. But a guy like, perfect example, Michael Thomas right now is a perfect example of this. Guy would ordinarily be considered a stud, but with Taysom Hill running the offense, it's pretty hard to count on Michael Thomas on a regular basis. And Dan Malin was telling people to sit him this Sunday all over fantasy chat, which, you know, he had an okay day. It wasn't, like, a huge day. It wasn't, like, horrendous, but it wasn't, like, you know, the yeah, Michael I, Thomas. No, he had, well, I guess it depends on if you're in a PPR league or not, because he did have nine for 105. So well, Yeah, right. So if you're in a standard league, that's Are people going okay. after Malin now? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't paid that much attention to it. I don't usually pay that much attention to it. You know, it's uh, funny they usually you go that. after I haven't, him I haven't for heard his from food him. choices um, more than his fantasy football calls because his food choices uh, are pretty terrible too. Um, but, you know, it, that that's a reasonable question, and there's some interesting matchups certainly uh, for Week 14. Um, also, injuries definitely play a key role, like who's, you know, is a guy just coming off of injury? Can we trust him being... Um, you know, healthy for one week. So for me, I tend to lean a little bit more towards matchup than um, than just purely let's go with studs even in a tough, even in a tough matchup because, you, you know, I get the idea of you want to play your studs, you don't want to get beat with your best players on the bench, but who is to say that week that they're going to be your best players? Like the best players are the ones that score you points. So that's right. the way I look at it. Uh, for me, I guess it depends really on, you know, I'm okay with playing guys in tough matchups. Like, for instance, um, you know, week 14, you're looking at, um, you know, who do we have here? We'll say, so Darren Waller against the Colts, right? The Colts have one of the best defenses in football all season long. They're allowing the third fewest fantasy points to the tight end position this week. I mean, this season, are you going to trust you know, Darren Waller on your bench over what, right? Like, this no, head well, okay, position. but that's a thin, that's, that's sure. a thin position. Right. But I'm saying no. like, but, but if you found 
uh, a, a tight end that's on the waiver wire that has a better position, a better uh, matchup. You're not going to like start him over a guy like Waller, right? You're going to yeah, play sell, the- sells. Are you starting Robert Tunyon over Darren Waller in the playoffs? No. But I mean, like Hunter Henry this week has the has the Falcons, right? Would you start Hunter Henry over Darren Waller this week, knowing the Falcons have allowed the most fantasy points to the tight end position? I mean, I, I would still play Darren Waller. I, I would honestly, John. I would try to get both of them in there. Maybe they have put one in the flex. Field. Yeah, sure. But if you're not gonna, I mean, for me, I'm probably only gonna play one because in a league that I'm in, I'm only allowed to play two wide receivers, and I have three when healthy. Uh, stud wide receivers in Metcalf and Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay. But um, that's a good example. I might go, I might go Hunter Henry on that one. Here's the thing though. Like you can't trust really any of the other guys on Vegas. You know, that's the thing you just, you really can't. Where with the Hunter Henry situation, he's still going to have other competition for targets. Where with Waller, it's far less. I feel like, you know. I mean, let's let's face it. Before that touchdown, that the Jets, aka the Planes, pretty much let up intentionally. You know, Ruggs was having balls bounce off his chest and hands all night. Yeah, yeah, it was not a good day for Henry Ruggs for sure. Um, That's a good example. John, for sure, I think it's more complicated because it's a much thinner position than, say, like wide receiver. Um, but, like, had had Todd Gurley been healthy this past week, I probably would have sat him playing the Saints because the Saints are, like, the best rush defense well, in the league. I mean, I've been telling everybody, I mean, and at this point I'm sure they've given up on him anyways, but, like... Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do much, but... Well, I, well I'm saying, like, you don't, you don't play Miles Sanders this week, right? Like, Miles Sanders going up against the Saints... You just right. you you just have to you bench Miles Sanders. Yes, you took him in the first round, early second round. He's been a bust for you largely this year, not because of his own doing. The offense and play calling is terrible. He's averaging like o- almost over five yards a carry when he ever gets the whenever he's getting the football. So like he has been productive when given the opportunity. Um, but like this is a week where you're in the playoffs, like you're not starting Miles Sanders this week. You're sitting him on your bench. Yeah, I you play JD McKissick over Miles Sanders this week. You know, like you know, something like that if you're in a PPR league. If Gibson misses time, we saw we saw McKissick get 10 targets. You know? What about – I think Gibson has turf toe. Yeah, right. If he's going to miss this game, I assume, turf toe is tough turf to come back from. Yeah. What yeah. about – what about how how low would you go? What about someone like a Naeem Hines over Sanders? Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't hate it. You know, the, the Colts do have a really strong schedule. Um, man, Hines is involved, at least in the offense, enough to be on the field. Um Raiders rush defense isn't all that great. Yeah, so my right, my my worry there is we've seen now Jonathan Taylor get back to back weeks of twenty plus carries. Yeah. You know? So like I fancy this is the week where we bet Taylor over yards again and we get screwed. I, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so like it doesn't matter. Ready, dude, we're going in it together, man. We <laughs> yeah. missed out on the Tennessee game. We're we're getting our revenge right here. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I, I guess Fancy, a better question would be who are you considering studs at this point? Is it the studs that have proven themselves the last six weeks? Or is it the guys that you took in the top five picks? Because for some people, it's the same. Because like DK Metcalf, for example, I took him in the first five rounds. Guy's been an absolute stud. He's got almost 1,200 yards receiving and like nine touchdowns. Guy's been a beast. But like then you've got other guys, like perfect example, Miles Sanders went in the first round. Guy's been 
just not a stud. All right, how about this? I'll I'll bring up a guy you just mentioned, Michael Thomas. I'm starting him. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I would probably start him now that we saw that if Taysom Hill actually sits there and throws the football. Now, granted, it was against the Falcons. Not exactly the toughest defense. All right, well, what about about this one? If we're just going to play the one-if game, right? You have Alvin Kamara or Wayne Gallman. The Giants are playing Arizona. Arizona. And the Saints are in are in Philadelphia. I think it is. In in Philly. I think it's yeah, in- Saints Saints are in Philly. Now, obviously last week, you, you know, you got the Camara game because he scored the touchdown, 15 for 88 and a score, but still only two catches for nine yards. Right. If, if he, he doesn't, if he doesn't have that score. If he doesn't have that score, you're looking at 12 fantasy points. You know, now Drew Brees could come back this week. There's a possibility of him being activated, and that will would obviously change the entire landscape of the Camaro yeah. value. Here's but the thing, though: the Saints just clinched their play, clinched a spot in the playoffs, so they're just fighting for seed. Yeah, but it's only one by this. Week. It's only one by this year. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the number one seed is more important this year than ever. Um, but I'm just saying, like, if you're looking at the last handful of weeks, you know, Wayne Gallman has been more productive of a running back than Alvin Kamara. But can you honestly stomach the idea of benching Alvin Kamara for a guy like Wayne Gallman, right? But that's that's what you're talking about, right? Are well, is Daniel starts? Jones going to be back this week? Does Probably not. But, but does that even really matter? I mean, against Seattle without Daniel Jones, he ran for 135 yards. You know, yeah. the weeks he had six straight weeks with touchdowns. I mean, like Wayne Gallman, I think it fancies almost like the epitome of this question. It's like, are you playing the stud Alvin Kamara or the guy who's come on lately in Wayne Gallman? You know, like, of course, Kamara has the higher upside, but lately we've seen Gallman be more consistently productive. If Drew Brees is playing, I'm playing Kamara. If he's not, I'm playing Gallman. Right? Like, that's the decision that you make. By the way, Sells, there's the title for this episode right here. Boom. Title. Who would you start, Gallman or Kamara? Who would you rather? Yeah. Who would you rather? That's because, John, that's a tough one right there, man. That is a very – because he proved he's not touchdown reliant after having the strong game last week. I just – man, dude. And that was against a good rush defense in Seattle that's been good right. the last four or five And to years. be honest with you, he got screwed because he should have had two at least one score. Alfred Morris vultured two of his touchdowns. Yep. He did. He did. <laughs> so if he gets 135 and a score, it's an even bigger day. And if exactly. it's 135 and two scores. we might, be- John, John, we might have to put that up as one of your famous polls on the Fantasy Alarm Twitter handle or something. That's that's a toughie right there, man. I feel like I would post that and people would just automatically be like, well, you're a loser. Obviously, you start out with Camara. But I mean, like. Yeah, but if you look at target <laughs> share the last several weeks. Kamara's value in a PPR league has plummeted since Taysom Hill's been at quarterback. Yeah, no, I don't. I agree. I'll throw. I'll throw it on there right now. We'll. Uh, we'll. We'll see what we have for some results. Of it's hard. And- though. It's hard though because again, you you know the whole stud factor. He's coming off a game where he was actually good on the ground. You know that's the problem. I know it's matchup based a lot, but it just sucks. It would have made it a lot easier if he sucked it up again at five points. Yeah, that's. I mean, so I guess that gets to the heart of the question: is who are you considering your studs? If you're still considering the guys that you drafted in the first five rounds as your 
bona fide studs, which, let's face it, about three-quarters of the first-round picks are done for the season already. Um, you know, does that include a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who was taken in the top four picks and hasn't done jack since Dak's been off the field? Um, you know, or are you counting a stud as a guy you've been able to count on that's gotten you into the playoffs? Like, is he a right. waiver wire pickup you made in, like, week eight that, you know, like, I don't know. Can we consider Alex Smith a stud waiver wire pickup at this point? Jeez. Are we going there? What do you think, John? Uh, guy's been pretty dang dependable for five games now. He has. He has. Since he He's, took over, the, the Washington offense has added more than 100 yards per game and more than eight points per game. And think, about it like, think, think about it like this, too, with Gibson Hurt. Now he's going to get to use his favorite toy in the passing game. Short passes to McKissick. Yeah. And Logan Thomas has been really good. Terry McLaurin has been good. And how about big play Cam Sims on Monday night? All that guy did was catch like 30-yard passes. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I think it's a philosophical question for me to, to wrap it up. Starting your studs. I mean, what is a stud? I mean, Adam Ronis and I talked about that as well on Alarm After Hours. What exactly is a stud? Is it it's the stud- guys you can count. To, my definition is the guys you can count on for X amount of points a week. Right. And if that's been the case for the last six weeks or five weeks for certain guys, that's your stud. And it hasn't been for some of our first round picks. Right. It hasn't. It just it hasn't. And that's where you you guys are going to have to decide. And that's why you're going to make sure you chat it up with us. That's why you're going to make sure you listen to our shows, watch our live streams so you can get into win. Because the contenders out there and for those that are still looking to clinch, now's the time. There is no tomorrow. You're looking at that news every single day. No excuses. I believe that's a wedding crasher thing. Rule number 76. No excuses. Play like a champion. John, you ever see wedding crashers? Of course, I've seen Wedding Crashers. I, dude, you don't see a lot of movies. I'd ask. I've Sell seen I, Wedding Crashers is maybe the greatest comedy movie of our generation. I'll say, like, if you think about the movies made in the last twenty or so years of basically our lifetime, we're all in our thirties, right? You think it's that, that one or Dodgeball? It's it, like it, it's Wedding Crashers. Dumb and Dumber fits in there. You know, like those movies to me are like upper echelon hard to meet they're quotable everybody understands the references like they last for you know generations so uh, i've seen wedding crashes what about rush hour i've so i've seen rush hour i've seen rush hour too i can't say that they're as memorable to me but i definitely Correct. have seen them yes i'm a big rush hour guy i just that's why i had a i i mentioned i figured that's why you brought it up yeah Yes, you're absolutely right about that. Then, so that's making these lineup decisions very, very difficult. But the worst thing that you can do is overthink it. And I feel like that's what a lot of people do. You don't want to get too cute. But one of the things I do say, and this is how you read rankings, because you might have a decision to make and you might look at Adam Ronis's rankings on FantasyAlarm.com heading into your playoff matchup and you'll see maybe a player or two that you have to decide on on top of each other and that's where guys you know i'm all about the psychology of fantasy sports one of the things that i've been able to do and it's not foolproof but i try to kind of read the matchup without 
focusing on the Yahoo or ESPN or those site projections, but kind of just look at it, the matchup for what it is. See if I'm, my roster is looking like it's going to be in a hole if I play the player with the bigger ceiling or the bigger floor. Because generally there's one or the other. It's very rare that you have a player with the exact same game script in hand in the exact same situation. So that's just one of the ways that I've been able to help myself, especially after looking at rankings being like, damn, these two guys are on top of each other. I have a feel this way because of my specific matchup. What do you think of that? I think it's a pretty good way to do it. Um, you know, everybody's generally going to have a different feel for their read on a game. Um, you know, you you can't play the what if game until you know the very last second. Like perfect example: what if the Colts get down? Then Naeem Hines becomes a bigger part of the offense than Taylor does because he's more of a pass catching back, and they're going to be throwing more and whatever. But what if the Colts keep it close? Then Naeem Hines doesn't really get in there. The game script is a negative one for him in general, considering what the Jets just did to the Raiders uh, last week. So, you know, you can't, to go along with what you said, you can't get too cute at this part of the season. You got to go with your, and always trust your gut. Your gut is almost always correct. Every time I've second-guessed my gut on a lineup decision, it's proven to be the wrong one. Yeah. Um. Perfect example is I rode Kyle Rudolph one too many weeks, and it bit me with Mike Gusecki last week. So, because I had Gusecki on my bench, had I played him, would have been a different story. Would have been fighting for, you know, still would have needed some help, but I I think I could have gotten it to sneak into the playoffs. So yeah, don't yeah don't yeah Kyle Rudolph man. Yeah, I, well I, I, I that yeah. up in DFS. You know what? Just because of that, because sells, because I, I almost want to call you an idiot for just mentioning him right now because it's frustrating me still. I hate having zeros in my lineup. So instead, let's just talk about what we're bringing to the family table. We always bring one thing to the table for everybody out there. So sells, you're at the head of the table, my friend. What are you bringing? So this has been, uh, you know, a, a trope of mine here for a couple of times on the family table and it's to watch the games right and here's here's a perfect example a perfect example of this played out at five o'clock eastern or six o'clock eastern whatever it was on monday night when washington took on pittsburgh i was on washington on i think thursday i told my wife i thought that washington was going to beat the steelers and i called it out on a couple of friends facebook pages over the weekend i didn't I forgot to put a bet on it, so now I feel stupid for doing for not putting a bet on it because I would have won some money. Um, but had you watched the Steelers the last four games, you would have realized that they've basically been skating by on the skin of their teeth the last four games. You also would have realized that they played Wednesday and got and this and Washington played on Thanksgiving. They had basically an entire extra week off coming into that game compared to Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh has had no semblance of a running game for the last, like, four weeks. They've been relying on the passing game way too much. Washington's pass defense has been number one or number two basically all season. And with Alex Smith at the helm, yes. Did their record say they should have gotten blown out? Did the line suggest they should have gotten blown out? Yeah. 
But with Alex Smith at the helm, they've been a far better offensive team. I will say they got a little lucky because that's only the second time in Heinz Field history that the Steelers have lost a game, went up by 14 points at any point in the game. They're 78-2-1, which is a ridiculous stat. But had you watched the two teams play the last three or four games, that outcome and the fact that it was so close throughout the game would not have been a shock to you. That's why it pays to watch the games so that you see, oh, Wayne Goldman didn't just put up 135 yards. He actually got, you know, screwed out of two touchdowns that you could have banked on and said, okay, if he does that, it's an even better day. But he legitimately should have had two extra touchdowns. Watching the games pays off. Yes, it does. And that's something that I've always believed in. And and a lot of people ask me, you know, how do you how'd you get into basketball the way you do? Because the way I see it now when I watch basketball game, because I've watched probably 50,000 games in my life at this point, then, you know, I just I see it in slow motion now because I'm just I know where people are going on the court. And that's why we're here, because we do that. And that's called doing your homework, especially if you're in the industry. John, what are you bringing to the table? Yeah, I'm bringing to the table something that uh, has actually been a very popular conversation of late. I found this out on Reddit. I ended up writing up an article on it today about uh, streaming defenses uh, in the fantasy playoffs. And basically, um, it's not to discount, uh, like we said, sort of like riding hot hands on teams that are playing well. You know, we look at defenses earlier in the year that maybe had struggled, weren't putting up good performances. Um, but now you're looking at some teams that are starting to turn things around. You you look at Seattle, who started off as one of the worst defenses, about to set off you know NFL records for yards and points allowed. And then you look at their recent performances, uh, and they're lighting it up. They got healthier. They've you know they're they're starting to you know get more sacks, create more turnovers, and their production's been there. The Giants now three of the last four weeks double digit fantasy points. The Patriots had a big thirty point game against Herbert last week. The Browns. Are coming on. So basically, there's a lot of defenses that earlier this year you wouldn't have even given a second look at at picking up, but they all have really good playoff mm-hmm. schedules. Uh, so I wrote an article about that today, uh, just pointing out that one, they're not as bad as they used to be. Things are turning around for them. And two, they have some really strong matchups coming up. So if you're looking to stream defenses, you know, that's a path that you can get an edge on a, on a team. Um, you know, just by, again, doing a little bit more research, understanding what has changed with these organizations and and why are they all of a sudden playing better now? Why were they playing uh, as bad as they were earlier on? Was it really just as simple as they, you know, couldn't get it together? Were they missing key players? Were they facing some of the best offenses in football and they didn't have really an opportunity to shut them down? So all of those factors come into play. I thought it was interesting to see that sort of trending uh, on Reddit today. And then the conversation is blown up. Uh, and again, taking deep dives on defenses, man, it's pretty appealing uh, and interesting stuff when you get into it and how it can really uh, make or break your fantasy week. Yeah, the Seahawks are a perfect example because I think by week eight, they had allowed week eight of this year, they had allowed more points by week eight of this year than they allowed in all 16 regular season games of the year they won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> that's how bad their defense had been uh so yeah paying attention to defenses that are turning the corner and have good matchups and whatnot yep that's that's another real real big key uh to getting an edge as they say yes it is absolutely and 
Speaking of getting an edge right now, what am I bringing to the table? I'm bringing the cheat sheet for the NBA. It is out. It's been updated. It's going to be updated again. Auction grid tiers especially. That is where I'm going to continue to probably move down guys like Bradley Beal, but I might move up other players as well. So continue to check it out. It's fun. It's a great time. And also on FantasyAlarm.com, our lifetime package all this week, $299, all of our tools, forever for life that's what it is fantasyalarm.com slash lifetime just for this week that nba cheat sheet is hot i'm excited about it i love that basketball is coming back and i'm more than excited to sink my teeth into some rebounding props because i'm already doing well in the reception props the rebounding props are next so for matt sells john and pen justin fensterman we as a family stick together we win together we always dominate no other option we just win